to the Careers, Employability and Skills podcast from Queen's University, Belfast. This episode was recorded as a part of the Industry Insight series, featuring a panel of digital and ICT experts, Dr. Aidan McGowan, Gareth Quinn, David McGarry, Marguerite Clark and Colin Duffy. Uh, good afternoon and welcome um, to the first session of the Industry Insights series where we will be focused on the digital and ICT sector uh, for the next hour or so. Uh, and then within the sector, there's obviously an abundance of career pathways for students of all disciplines. So my name is Carl Webb and I'm part of your careers, employability and skills team. And today I'm delighted to be joined by a panel of sector experts themselves, actually from a variety of backgrounds have taken a pathway into the thriving digital and ICT sector. This session offers a valuable insight into the sector, fueling ideas for your future, and we encourage you to be as participative and ask questions at the appropriate times. Just going to give us um, a, a little bit of a guideline for participation during today. There's, so there's a couple of simple housekeeping rules for the session. The session will be recorded, as I've already said, um, so please be muted during the session unless you're asking a question or indeed unless you're one of the presenters. Uh, cameras are best off during the presentation uh, parts of the session, but obviously you're more than welcome to turn these on when asking a question during the appropriate times. Uh, this is a very relaxed session, guys, so there's no, no points awarded to the most professional background or tidiest bedroom if you're in that sort of landscape today. Uh, but you may wish to, to blur your background and, of course, make sure you have no uh, distractions or at least have minimal distractions in your backgrounds. Also, please feel free to populate the chat um, throughout the session with any questions and we'll do our very best to field these during the Q&A or, or when we get a, a break in within the session. We're really blessed to have a fantastic panel of industry experts joining us today. Uh, they will have um, an opportunity to introduce themselves properly. And you'll have uh, obviously direct access here during this session, which is great to ask them uh, any questions that you have. So as a sneak preview of who's who's joining us today, uh, we have Gareth Quinn, who is CEO of uh, elite sports technology firm Kiros and founder of Digital DNA, which is Northern Ireland's largest tech sector event. And speaking of which, it's actually... Uh, Get kicked off yesterday in St George's Market. Great to have a live event back back amongst our industry again, and it is running through today as well. So I know Gareth, while he's uh, taken a back seat, he's still very much involved in some way or another uh, for during during that session. Uh, also, um, I, I will mention that, um, and he might mention it himself, but um, Gareth, with his current company Kiros, um, Manchester United has become one of their. Uh, recent customers, so I've been doing my best to influence Gareth that I'm very good at um, holding bags and accompany him to any trips that he has over to Old Trafford in the next few weeks. Hello, I'm not sure. They're not playing that great, but we'll we'll see. Um, we've also got David McGarry, who's uh, the Senior Director of US Risk Management Software Firm, Risk Connect, as well as, uh, as, well as David actually having a successful career. I know him to be a really talented guitarist. And I can recall him playing in the limelight not so long ago. Um, so I'm not sure if he's going to talk about his music career today, but we'll we'll, we'll see what happens from that. And we've also got Marguerite Clark. Um, Marguerite is responsible for business development at the leading IT services company, Version One. And if any of you have ever wondered how so many technology firms from the US have ended up in Northern Ireland, then I can tell you that in a previous role, Marguerite was based there in the East Coast. 
pitching Northern Ireland like no other. Um, so we have her to thank partly for the sector that we have today. So thanks for that, Marguerite. Uh, we've also got Colin Duffy, uh, who is Manager of Technology, Innovation, Research and Development and Architecture Services at US insurance technology giant Allstate. So a fantastic array of um, talented individuals uh, going to be joining us uh, today on, on, on this session. So to kick off the session, I'm delighted to welcome today's keynote speaker and our very own Dr. Aidan McGowan, uh, Director of Postgraduate Courses within EEECS. We've asked Aidan to provide some general commentary on the digital and ICT sector to help really set the scene of what career opportunities you could expect to find and also provide some flavour of his experience in the sector that we have allowed him to sample, oh, sorry, uh, in the sector that have allowed him to sample life outside of Northern Ireland in places such as New York and San Francisco, but I'm not going to steal your thunder, uh, Aidan. So we will have an opportunity for questions before we move into um, the employer presentations. So um, please note that as a seasoned lecturer, uh, Aidan McGowan also knows how to hold your attention uh, and he might throw in some tricky questions to make sure you're switched on. So please don't, uh, please don't try to avoid those. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to pass over um, to our, our keynote speaker, um, Dr. Aidan McGowan. Thanks very much, Carla, and good afternoon, everyone. Um, and I'm thrilled to be invited to do this because this this is a sector that I'll tell you a wee bit about myself. Um, this is a sector I've worked in and I've been in Queens for the past eight years or so um, teaching. And I'll, I'll explain the sort of teaching levels because it's probably relevant to you for some of the some of the students about potentially getting into the ICT sector or digital sector. Um, but I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm passionate about I'm passionate about this sector and how, how much of a really positive influence that I've seen this sector has on individuals and then, you know, a knock on in, in their in their lives. And it's, it, I think it's it's fantastic. It's been fantastic for Northern Ireland. It's been fantastic for Belfast and it's been fantastic for me. So I, I love going to these things. And I love talking about these things. And it sort of made my life, my professional life around these things um, because it's, it's been really good to me. So hopefully, Hopefully I'll be able to give you a bit of a, a, a bit of a, an, an honest view and hopefully an enthusiastic view about how really powerful and how much of a potential and how reachable this is is for you. I know there's a number of students here who are undergrads and maybe thinking of get, getting into this area. And we also have a number of postgrad students who are um, probably currently on the software development um, PG or MSc, um, which I actually teach on. Um, and equally, these are very reachable things and I think it's very good that and it's brilliant that uh, a number of employers and really top end employers will give you a wee bit of information about the end about about their processes and things too um just just as a, as a sort of word of warning to there um there was a mention of Manchester United at some stage there um and Carl if I'd have known you were Manchester United supporter at the time I probably wouldn't have agreed to do this even though I'm passionate about it being an Arsenal supporter, and for once, I'm actually able to be the actually able to uh, boast because I actually won a game, <laughs> which doesn't happen or hasn't happened for a while. So, uh, but anyway, we'll we'll digress later uh, into that one. So, um, cars introduction there for me. I suppose I'll give you a very quick because it's probably relevant to some of you in terms of pathways into the, this area. Uh, so, I'm currently working in the computer science department school of uh, triple ECS um, 
I look after, I wouldn't even say I'm director, I sort of look after and manage sort of um, the postgraduate courses that we've got there. And we've have, we have got a number of very specific courses for um, like cybersecurity, for instance. So to get into that course, it's a postgraduate course, you'd need to have had a background in computing and probably have worked in there for a while. So that's almost like the CPD um, courses in there. So once you're in computing, it's probably worth your while um, keeping at that. That course didn't really exist a few years ago because computing moves so quick. Um, it didn't exist 10 years ago for us. So it's a big, big course for us now. And it's a bigger demand and getting bigger demand. As you probably know, cybersecurity is so important. And not only that, the amount of jobs that are, are being generated in NI because of that. We also have an electronics course, uh, again, very specific in that area. But we have the, the biggest course, biggest postgraduate course in the university, which is a MSE in software development. And it's a conversion course. It's taking people who have absolutely zero, zero background in programming or in software engineering and turning them in, a, in the space of about 15 months from zero to quite literally walking in the door and going toe to toe with undergraduates who have three or four years experience. So it's a very, very achievable thing. Um, so if you don't have a computing background and you want to get into the tech sector, that's a very achievable thing. Um, but what you're also going to see here as we go through this is that there's an amount of jobs because the tech sector is so big in NI, there are so many jobs that your degree pathway may well allow you to get into the sector anyway because there's so many support type roles in there. And we'll, we'll talk about that as we go through. Um, that, that's where I am at the minute. That, that's the sort of the Queen's side of things too. Um, I suppose my background is probably relevant to you if you're thinking of going this way because um, all the way through school, I was fortunate enough to have a teacher who was in the computer science. He came from industry and he went into teaching. And although, although he was teaching his GCSE and A-levels, he decided to actually put an angle of programming in there. And, I, and from actually even before that, I went, yeah, I could, I could do this. This is, this is an achievable thing. Um, so I went off and uh, I, I sort of did, did well GCSEs and A-levels. And then I went off to Queen's and did a non-computing degree for some reason, which I'm still not entirely sure of. It was just, it, at the time, I had to make a decision. It was a STEM degree. It had an amount of computing and programming in there, but it wasn't specifically in the programming. And then I went off and worked in industry for a bit, non-computing um, non industry. And then I thought, I think I should really go to programming because that, 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 that area of software development was becoming bigger and bigger. And I thought, yeah, let, let's go there. So that, <laughs> I'll show you that slide. Hopefully we'll see that slide again in a second. So um, th that was my sort of path to it. And then I did an MSc, not a conversion MSc, but one that was tailored towards people who had a programming background, more as a sort of pathway in the programming or in the software. Then I worked in the software industry for about seven or eight years. And as Carl mentioned earlier, and I'll, I'll, we'll talk about some of, the, some of the benefits and experiences in there. It's a brilliant industry. There's so many, so many varieties of jobs in there, and one of one of which, um, which um, I really took a liking to, was that I was asked um, because I was I was a programmer, and I was asked by the company I was working with. And it was a local company at this stage. Um, would you mind giving the training course to our graduates when they come in in a particular programming language? So it was like an advanced version of what they would have seen at university. And I thought. Well, okay, I haven't really done this before and I really, really liked it. And then they asked me to do it again and I really, really liked it. And then the university type job came up and here I am with it now. So there's a pathway which was STEM or computing, STEM generalized, MASI sort of thing going on. Then specifically towards computing 
and then working in the industry, but it opened up an avenue for me in terms of teaching. I, I wouldn't, I didn't go in to do an MSc in computing and think I'm going to be a teacher. I went, well, I'm going to be a programmer. But once I was in the industry, I realized there's so much out there that you can actually go off and specialize in because it's, it's not just, if you want to hit the next slide, it's not just about this individual. So the next slide, when it comes up, okay, it's not that, okay, it really isn't. Um, that stereotype view of people who work in programming have that have that geek, okay, the geek thing going on with them. And if you read that as a, as a descriptor there, a digital technology expert or enthusiast, a term of pride like for, for some there, and yes, there definitely are people who absolutely fit that mode, but the majority of people don't. Um, but used disparagingly by others. Okay, so that that isn't that 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 isn't what's out there. You know that that's a real offput for the computing industry because most people think that is the the typical uh, view of that. Now I'm going to ask you to do something um, because like anything in life, you get out what you get out what you put back in there. Okay, um, I know you have a few questions and things there. Maybe the guys can feel that in the background. Can you just flick back just one wee slide if you don't mind? Um, just back to just just because I love looking at that guy. Um, could I ask you just just as just as uh, just to sort of break the stereotype of this? What do you see in front of you there? Describe. Give, give me another. Give me another couple of words. I've given you geek. I've given you geek as as that sort of start point. Give us another couple of words that you think you know fit what you see there because that that is unfortunately the stereotype. And we spend a lot of time trying to break that one down, but it is still in existence there. And there's one area that I really want to sort of point out to you here, okay? Um, boffin, egg, <laughs> egghead, yes, okay? Nerd, yeah, Megan, absolutely. Nerd, nerd's the first one, probably the first one I would have thought of. Uh, Carl says, nerd, introverted, works in isolation. Yep, keep going, keep going, you're, get, you're getting there. You're, you're not actually touching on probably the, the most apparent one there, antisocial. Marguerite, you're 100%. That's the biggest thing that jumps out at me there. It's male. It's an introvert. It's male. It's someone who doesn't really want to be bothered with other people. And, you know, probably good at computers. Well, you'd like to think they're good at, good at computers, communication skills, no social skills, exp expensive, Gareth. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, so it, it's all of that. And that, that's the stereotype. Couldn't be further from the truth. And genuinely could not be further from the truth. Truth. So would you mind just flicking the next slide then for me, thanks. So th this is this is where I want you to want you to again just just please be interactive here with us because I want you to think about this in terms of what are the in-demand skills. So the employers will tell you this when the back end when I when I'm finished chatting here, they they will tell you this and back this up. We went out and we asked employers, look, what is it you actually want from us as a university to develop for individuals? But it, really the question is. What is it you're actually looking for from someone that's going to work in this in in this sector? And it isn't just the programming sector. There's there's a host of jobs in there too. Okay, so I have a list on the next slide, which I'll show you in a second, of um, what they said to us. Some of it, believe it or not, was surprising. And there's one real real sort of stick out one, which is important. Okay, so you've seen the nerd, you've seen the introvert, you've seen that. So I'm telling you, it isn't that. It isn't that at all. Um, there's a place for that within almost every walk of life and computing is no different and probably in its fair share of that that sort of uh, that sort of role but the majority vast majority of people are not that isn't the case it couldn't be the case 
So I've got the chat open there for you. Give us, give us what you think, just one, possibly two words. What are the key skills, when we went back and asked, what are the key skills that these, these employers have actually have asked of us to develop, in other words, what they want as a rounded article, okay? So Rory says team bonding, okay, team working, sorry. Team worker, well, that already just blows that stereotype out of the way because what, why would it be team bonding whenever that's an individual works on their own? You're absolutely right. I'll explain that one to you in a second. Communication, again, introvert, communication, working on a computer, communication is essential, absolutely essential with it. Interpersonal skills, absolutely. Life experience, that's an important aspect of it, especially as you're coming through with degrees and if you happen to change into a different degree, a life experience is really important. Your undergraduate degree is also important um, in terms of you know how does that shape you? Did you take a year out? Did you get involved with things? Employers love all that sort of stuff because it shows a well-rounded character. Excellent communication, yep. Time management, yep. Analytical skills, yeah. That's it, that's analytical skills brings in that sort of programming element or software development things and be able to break down problems and issues. Yep, time and project management skills. Absolutely, I agree with that one. Attention to detail for sure. Passion about the industry, really important. Really, really important. I could tell you stories about interviews that have sat in and watched people and they almost turn off as soon as they just get someone who goes, I'm just interested in working, you know, I'm not that interested in the software industry because it's really dynamic and it's, it's a very fulfilling thing you don't really get to stay in one place for an awful long time because the industry moves. So you need to have that interest in, in the industry. Diverse and uh, working diverse teams. Yep, that's for sure. Okay. Um, you haven't done too bad there. Able to be constructive criticism. <laughs> A very important thing. Um, and short supply for some people, um, especially when it comes to things known as code reviews. But it does, you're absolutely right, Kieran. It, it is an important thing. I'm going to show you, if you don't mind flicking the next slide, you didn't do too bad there. You did, but you never get the number one thing, believe it or not. Communication, we got logical thinking. Yeah, you, you would think that. Teamwork, yeah. Why? Why would it be teamwork? Teamwork because whenever you go to write software, it is a team thing. It's never an individual. It may at some stage go down to an individual who sits and says, right, I have to complete this task. But it almost certainly forms part of another thing. And in fact, there's a real dynamic change in the way when I programmed in comparison to the way it's done now, and it's a thing known as paired programming, where you actually have two people sitting doing roughly the same thing. You have one person watching and, and giving the navigation, or one typing, and they bounce ideas off each other. It's very dynamic, it's very interesting. Two heads are better than one. So uh, totally away from that on your own thing in terms of, of programming and, and development software. Patience, very important. Project management, you, you mentioned. Analysis, you mentioned. Attention to detail, you mentioned. Presentation skills, absolutely. I'll bring you back to the nerd, okay, or whatever we call them at the, at the start there. Um, that individual, and, and the one thing I noticed when I worked in software and when I was managing in, in the teams, I used to look around and go, I have no idea what anybody's doing here because everybody's just typing away and you go, you'd have to go and talk to them and say, how are you doing, or things. Um, so that communication thing comes in there too. But because you write software or because you're involved in a company which is maybe talking to a customer, Presentation skills are really, really essential because you can't just, what you do, you don't do in isolation. So it's really important. Diplomacy, for sure. Facilitation, yes, you have to work with people as simple as that. There's the biggest one to come back with, problem solvers. Problem solvers are the thing that the companies come back with. Number one thing we want you to be able to do is be a problem solver. And that that opens up the way that the industry tends to be. It's all about, it's, it's almost, as I sort of say to students, it's, 
it's being accepting that you don't know everything, but you'll go and find that out. In other words, your day becomes, okay, I'm going to start off at the point where I'm not entirely sure exactly what I'm doing here um, because this is a brand new problem to me, so i got to solve it. And it's a great kick out of doing that. There's a bit of pain and figuring out, well, how am I going to do this? Who do I involve? Can I do it myself? Um, where do I find the information to solve this problem? How do I build a solution to this problem? And then you go, ta-da, and you've got it. It's a brilliant, it's a brilliant outcome for a day or a week or a month or whatever you're working on. And it's all those many sort of problem-solving things. Always a challenge. Never, the, never a day is the same. So that's that's the in skill demands. Believe it or not, they don't want nerds. They want this and they want this. And specifically, when I mentioned about the starting, I said, "What's the most obvious thing with this guy? That's a nerd. Clearly, male. Okay, cannot industry and the employers maybe later on touch on this too. Cannot get enough females. It's not a diverse enough thing. Um, and so." Really, if, if you're if you are female and you're thinking, honestly, you can't get enough, cannot get enough, and it has so much diversity to to the to the whole to the whole sector, um, and that that isn't there, and that, that is one one sort of feeling at the minute, and we're we're trying to address that. Okay, so hopefully that paints a picture that it isn't a nerd. It's this. It's these sort of skills. Whether your undergraduate degree is in archaeology or it's in maths or it's actually in computing. It doesn't matter. These are the rounded sort of things that employers are very keen on in the sector. Okay, um, don't be afraid to ask any questions in the chat there if you, if you want to as I go through. Okay, so th th this again, sort of from my angle, but it's not untypical because software development, I've worked in whatever it is, seven or eight years in Queens. Software development MSc, which hasn't been the only thing I've taught on, but mostly consistently through that. So we take these people who have come in with degrees and whatever, and then they get a fairly intensive year. And I keep a track on them on LinkedIn. So I, I've, I don't know many, but I've kept most of them on LinkedIn. And every now and again, I do a wee nosy around just to see where they are and the sort of job careers and uh, a good head for names and, and people's faces. And I can remember, oh, yeah, you, you were class of 2011 and, and that, and I can sort of follow through in their careers. And this is not untypical of, of, of the sort of things and, and, and aspects and things that have, have went with them. So big benefits to the industry. Number one, salary. There's a good reason for that. It's a well-paid job. Okay, it's just, it's a well-paid job, and the reasoning behind that is that it's competitive because there's such a need for software. People working in the sector, in the companies, as was mentioned in, in one of the uh, in, in one of the chats, are people are expensive. They find it very hard to get people in the first place, which means that if you're in demand, the companies tend to look after you, which means that salaries tend to be more than competitive. Lots of companies do healthcare, which again, when you're thinking when you're 17, 18, 19, 20, healthcare actually does matter. It is an important thing. Um, social activities is another thing that they do very much so. So there are companies, on, and I mentioned names in Belfast, and they, they tend to do really out of their way to do social activities, to have this sort of company, real good company ethos, sort of family ethos almost. And they do all sorts of stuff on the weekends. They do rock climbing and uh, just a whole host of stuff, uh, sometimes involving a lot of alcohol too, which was the case when I was there and then a few companies. Um, but it's always social events and it's all about keeping people happy and enjoying and working with each other. It's a brilliant environment to work in. I've mentioned about this diverse career opportunities, okay? Um, there are a huge amount. I, I've just given you my example where I started off programming and then next thing you know stand in front of a class and next thing you know I'm in university based on 
get into that sort of IT and digital sector. That's just one view of it. Um, I would I would say of when I started, there was just the company I was in. There was a stream of twelve people. They are everywhere and anywhere doing all sorts of different things. Mostly still related to computing, but they're not just a, a programmer anymore because that's primarily a software developer. That's where we started off. Uh, most of them moved into completely different areas, where it's just management or maybe architecture, but they're in the computing area, but haven't stated it. They figured out things they like, and then they can they can almost demand their own career path within that. So there's a huge amount of career opportunities in there, including one who started off with a, a law degree, did a conversion degree, and is in marketing for the, for the company now. Um, so, I mean, look, I could go on. There's just loads of things going on there. Remote working is a recent thing, obviously. Um, a lot of the companies are actually in the remote working. Um, some of the bigger companies in Belfast have the ability to do it. And again, it's a nice balance in life. And, and the, the computing industry has held very well in terms of COVID. While it was awful, and of course it still is awful, the computing companies actually held up very well, more than more than probably any other industry, because sort of offshore, what you can do, you can do from home. You can do a collaborative working thing from home, and it's much the same as someone sitting beside you. Um, and Right, software. It's not like building a. It's not like building a crane. They go. How do we get this to America? You just and it's gone. You know, it, it 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 exports very easily. So that's why we're we're very diverse. And a lot of the companies that are here are you know in, international because they they can. It works. The the model that works for it. So remote working is is one thing that the, the companies have done really well with, and it is is still there. Um, the other big thing again. This is just. Not just me, because of lots of other people like this too. I I, I love traveling. Okay, I'm traveling anywhere in ages, and I'm, I'm Boston to get somewhere. But I'm, there's a price for this. Okay, so that's a pick your ears up for this one. Um, there's a price for this. So what I'm what I'm gonna I'm gonna go through. These are all places, and I again they're only a subset, genuinely a subset of places that I visited or have visited because I was there on work purposes. Okay, some of them were some of them were educational computing, but the vast majority of them were I was actually working in the software industry and then went to these places because we were installing software or we're meeting clients or whatever, testing or whatever it was. So listen, some of these are very easy, they get they get progressively harder. There is a prize towards the end of this one. Okay. So I'm gonna ask you um just just fastest finger first on this one. So first one there, okay, that should be pretty obvious. I'm hopefully top left hand corner. So uh Carl, if it's you that's um if it's you that's controlling this one, I don't know if you can show the cursor, but top left hand corner, um that's the one. So if you can you've got the chat there, if you can tell me in this case, uh, if you can tell me the country. China. So Robbie, you're in, the, you're in there. Good stuff. And here's a even better. It is in Beijing and it is the section of the Great Wall, which took me about two hours to get to on the most, the worst taxi drive in my life. Um, I'm lucky to still be alive, but it was worth saying. It's an amazing place. Okay, right. No prizes for, for this one either. Um, the one below it then. One below it. New York, come on, bit more than that. Give me the island. It says on the Staten Island. Is that right? Yeah, that is right. Um, Alice Island, maybe it's Alice Island. Anyway, it's nice. So, okay, we've been there. Uh, next one down, no prizes for that one. But again, give us, give us a bit more descriptor than other than the city. Tower Bridge, yep, super. Super place all together, okay. One below it, 
possibly the best city I've ever been in. Golden Gate. Yep, San Francisco. Okay. Um, they're working with um, working a place called Cupertino, which is sort of like the home of Java, the Java programming language. Um, and it is Silicon Valley was there, was there for a few months. Amazing place. Big, big, big tech sector. If you're interested in actually um, doing travel or, or working abroad, that's a very achievable thing to do. Okay. Top or middle, middle, top one there. That that makes sense. Okay, getting a wee bit progressively harder. Hey, so here's all good. You must have travelled. Okay, so that's Istanbul. One below it, maybe not so easy unless you've actually been there. One that looks like a wee cable car. Rio, Hazel, very good, but no. Uh, Damien, Switzerland, no. Neve, Neve, uh, I'll give you, if there was a prize, Neve, you would have it for it. If you can give me a bit more than that, Neve, I would, your name will be in, you'll get a smiley face. Cape Town, yeah, good stuff. Okay, so again, Cape Town, um, again, in there, um, at an educational thing, um, didn't go to an awful lot and actually went shark diving. So these are, these are all amazing places you get to, and every single one of them, None of the playing fair was was <laughs> was paid by me. Okay, one below it. If you can have a quick go at that one. It's quite tough actually. Bit of pass well, it wasn't that tough. Okay, one below that one. TJ recognizes Amsterdam straight away. Okay, we'll not ask you about that one, TJ. Uh, okay, next one up in about the middle. Yeah, my I wasn't actually there, but it was in Peru, but it was the best photo I could find. So yeah, okay, next one down. Next one down, that one, that one, Copenhagen, good on TJ, I've been there too. One below it, okay, we're moving a bit further afield here, one below it, Singapore, TJ, no. This isn't even the prize one, Dubai, Hazel, no. I know there's groups of students all sitting around, so don't be afraid of Macau, no, no, Hong Kong, no. This might stump. Nobody's ever got all of these, by the way. Hong Kong, no. Stockholm, no. Cold. Getting colder. Getting colder. Okay, Shanghai. Probably still getting colder in that one, yeah. Go a wee bit that way. Looks like I'm keeping the price for this one, Carl. Japan, no. I'll, I'll nearly go for a country here if you can get it. Give us a clue. Okay, North America. Vancouver. Good man, TJ. Okay, right. This one, uh, which is the top, the top one with the, the white sort of building there. Okay. Um, this is getting close to the price. Not quite there. Okay, so give us that one. It's, I think somebody did get this one once actually. Rio, no, Greece, no, cold, but warmer than Rio. Do be afraid to guess, folks. The next one is the one with the prize, by the way. Italy, no, a bit warmer, but not that much warmer. India, no, no, that'd be cold, really cold, which is not usual to call India and cold at the same time. No, okay. I'll give you, I'll give you it because you're getting close there, David. Okay, 
it, it is close east to Norway. That's that's uh, Vilnius. Okay, Vilnius. One below it is a prize for this. Okay, we'll starter starter for this one. Okay, starter for this one is that we have an Amazon. TJ, good man, very good. Um, TJ, you must be well travelled. I don't think anybody. So TJ, we will keep your details. Um, if you do me a wee favour, TJ, um, Carl, it's on the call. Would you drop him your email address? And uh, that's very good. I really didn't expect that. That's that's in China. Um, again, it was our writing software. Amazing, amazing place altogether. All of these things are very reachable. Okay, all of these things there. Okay, so well done, TJ. Next, next slide up there, folks. I'll speed on a wee bit just to give you. Hopefully, I'll give you a flavour of you know. This is this is a brilliant industry to work in. It's an amazing industry to work in. Um, so this is sort of the bare bones of what what it's really about. So the tech sector is really vital. The NI, okay, it's going to continue to be vital. It's not going to go away. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So there's a huge amount in there. It's one of the fastest growing digital sectors. One in seven jobs in the NI are in the the tech sector, the digital sector. The decision was made a few years ago by. NIPLC, whoever whoever really you want to call that government said, let's move into this sector and they've done a really good job. I mean, we have we have companies coming to Queens all the time looking for people, um, and they're looking for people because they want to invest. That's that's the thing. We'll tell you why about that in a wee second. Um, a few other bits and pieces. The, probably the most interesting one is the one at the bottom there. The average digital tech sector is thirty two thousand, thirty two and a half thousand. Incomparable to under other industries of 24. It's a well-paid, well-enumerated sector. It's an interesting sector to be in, and there's lots of different um, roles within it. Okay, so if we go off the next one now, that's the jobs. So take from that, there's loads of jobs. It's well-paid. It's well-looked after. So if you want to hit the next um, slide there, if you would, Carl, thanks. Um, it's 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 not just about programming that that's that's not the case with it so there there are some things you know in relation to belfast um bottom one i thought was really in belfast is nailed one of the the world's top 10 digital economies of the future it's it's ranked number two in the uk ninth in europe in a poll of all 25 tech cities of the future it's not going away tech is going to be a big big thing for us um, fintech is particularly important too. So if you have a maths background, a financial background, it's going to get bigger and bigger there too. Especially the maths background, the digital or the data analysis side of things that are coming in in terms of machine learning, it's going to it's going to be in pretty much every industry going. So knowing that and being in that area is is one of the one of the big sectors that we're we're moving towards. Um, the other, I suppose, one of the other things about. Belfast, you know, it's, it's a great place to work. You've all been there, so we're not, we're not selling this to someone that's, that's beyond that. It is a really good place to work, and there's a good reason for that. So if you, if you don't mind going to the next, next slide. There's a good reason. So we attract so many people here because uh, companies are particularly interested in uh, the, the software sector, is very people based and they're very much interested in people so they're not here buying up buildings they're not here buying up ships they're here and the investment is in individuals and it's about people 
and because people are so good. So it's the like of you guys coming through with 72% Northern Ireland outperforms the average UK with A to C and A to E, whatever it is, there in GCSEs. We do brilliantly, okay? It's absolutely, uh, we're really, really well educated. Not only that, the focus in the universities here, not just Queen's, but UU and, and, and third level institutions too, Belfast Met and the like, we're pumping an awful lot of activity and producing ICT graduates. So we can't get enough. We just cannot get enough people through. So we're putting through 1,400 um, graduates a year. Queen's are putting out about five and a half or 550 um, of undergraduates coming through every year in computing type degrees, plus roughly another 200, 250 coming from a conversion route. So there's there's a big, big push on this. It's well, it's, it's there for a reason. The big demand is there for a reason. Walk up the Malone Road, you'll see the, the, the Skittles building, as it's been called, um, the computer science building. You couldn't miss it. That computer science building for years was sort of, to use an expression, dundered out. Um, and went, this isn't good enough because we, we, this is such an important sector. And the university uh, put a huge amount of money into that for that particular reason because this is growing and we, we need to educate people well. Um, and we're going to continue to do that and it's not going away. Okay. That's why this is such an attractive place for um, people in people sectors and um, people in the ICT sector. So, no worries, Jim. Go to, go to the next slide. So uh, you, you probably have heard some of these things before. Tech jobs, there's a, there's a, there, there's a list of them, okay? Go, go Google, there's, there's much, much more. Software developer um, is, isn't just, they don't really advertise jobs as, as you know, programmers anymore, because the, the development isn't just about programming, it's about talking to customers, it's about talking to your, your team, it's about organizing, it's about design, it's about actually the encoding at some stage, it's about testing, um, it's about installation. So it's not just that one single thing in there, a presentation element in there too. Data center is a big thing going forward. Um, and then there's a whole list of our job managers, IT managers. These are very DBAs, uh, database administrators, networking um, analysts, networking architects. These are all tech-specific tech type jobs and you probably would need uh, a qualification in computing in some way, shape or form. To be there, so whether it's an undergraduate degree or a postgraduate degree, there's just tons and the variety of jobs I've mentioned in there, and that's that that list is by no means exhaustive. But regardless of what degree you're on at the minute, this is a big, big industry. It's a big industry for NI. Marketing, communications, technical writing is a really important aspect. So one of one of the a friend who's um, an English degree, an English lit degree, he's a technical writer. So English lit degree, where did that come from? He's a technical writer in, in computing uh, and in the software industry. Um, HR is a big thing, recruitment and talent talent management. Um, as I mentioned, and the employers have mentioned this to you, I'm sure also, they cannot get enough people. Therefore, they have to have a really on their game to get people involved. HR, recruitment, talent management is a big thing for them. Finance, I've mentioned that FinTech is a big, big thing that's coming here. It's already here. Um, we have uh, one of the fintech companies asked me during the week about setting up a degree program or a postgraduate program about about pushing that a bit more um, so we can get people qualified to get into there because again they're starting to find they can't get enough people compliance risk analysis business development customer success all of those things are other jobs in industry not necessarily people who have to have a computing degree but an interest in technology would be definitely of, of interest there too 
So there's a host of degrees. There's a host of ways into it. So if you don't mind going to the next slide, so the pathways in to this, again, it's within reach. Your undergraduate degree, if it's computing, is going to put you in that area without, you know, that, that's a no-brainer. Postgraduate conversion courses, I mentioned before, MSc in software development, done full-time or part-time, so you could be working and still do this, this thing part-time. Again, we put 250 or so a year through that. Um, and then you have other things, and this is just, just to throw it out to you there. There are postgraduate cert degrees or postgraduate qualifications, which are um, not fully MSCs, about a third of an MSC. And a, a lot of people are coming back like cybersecurity and doing this, you know, just to keep themselves um, involved and even doing a PG cert in software development, which is only, which is really only like a three month thing, is something of interest to employers if you have like a good maths background or maybe it's a marketing background or something else in there too. So there are loads of different ways in which you can get in this. And then you have direct entry, so you're applying for, you know, marketing type jobs. Um, within within the, the the sector when they're advertised. Okay, so hopefully, listen, I'm probably running running near time here, so I'll I'll go on quick, which I think is the last slide. Um, hopefully, I've gave you a flavour of this. Um, the sector is enormous. It's getting bigger. It's very dynamic. It's very exciting. Um, there are lots of jobs in it. You're well looked after. The variety of jobs is probably the biggest thing. There's massive benefits to it. And it's not going away. It's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm passionate behind this because I've done so well out of it. I made, made a choice to go, well, I keep in the industry I'm in or go to something that's sort of interesting um, or was an interest to me. It was the best thing I ever did was just say, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back into, and look at computing. Um, so hopefully that gives you a flavor of, of where things are and, and, and the ways in, in which you can get into it. And um, any questions to say, um, you stick your hand up now or else if you feel just I'll be sitting here for a while, so feel free to go through on the on the chat there, and I'll answer here individually from that. So again, thank you very much, Aidan. Some really fantastic insights there, and on, you know, on top of that, some practical advice to take away from there. So we're running a wee bit behind, so if we can maybe just um, uh, we'll we'll have plenty of opportunity, I think, at the end of the session for questions. So if you've got some firing questions for Aidan, there, hold off or populate the chat, and we'll get we'll get to those. Um, so just without without further ado, thanks, Aidan, for that. Uh, we'll come back and um, uh, pick that up uh, at the end. But we're we're, we're going to move on to our first employer. Um, and if I can welcome to the stage uh, in in a team sort of way, uh, Gareth Quinn uh, from Keros. Gareth, I'm going to hand over to you. Um, I'm not sure if you've got any slides to share, or you just want to keep keep me a do you want me to keep a, a holder slide on here in the meantime, Gareth. Yeah, Carl, holder slide's good. They want to bombard people with too much Perfect. information, so. Perfect. I'll do that. Far ahead then, Gareth. So um, what I've been asked to do really is to give you some information, I suppose, of, of, of my experiences. So what I'm going to focus on here is really just a brief introduction, snapshot of my career, and then an overview really of what we're doing um, at the moment at Kairos. Um, and then maybe a little bit just around sort of my thoughts really on where you guys are and 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 uh, where you might go if you like and uh, does that sound all right carl and then the 10 minutes is that what you're looking for time wise or a bit less i'm happy to uh, condense it down perfect gareth no far ahead sort of eight, eight to ten minutes i can listen to you all day gareth you know that but uh... <laughs> Yeah, so um, introduction. Um, so yeah, I'm currently a, uh, what we call a co-founder, which means I've just uh, created a business with somebody else. 
co-founder and chief operations officer of a company called Kairos. So Kairos is a communications platform specifically built for elite sports teams. So as we were sort of joking about earlier, Manchester United would be the biggest brand that we would work with, but also working with uh, the likes of Scottish FA, men's, women's teams, uh, Brentford, Norwich, Stoke, Sunderland, uh, those into the rugby, Ulster rugby, uh, the Hurricanes actually in, in New Zealand, um, Australian international rugby team. Um, as well and we've started just to gain a few clients now in the US the NCAA uh, soccer champions for anybody who might follow that um, uh, Marshall and then a few other teams over there as well so we're what you would call a, a startup and um, so we're still very much in that hustle mode um, at the moment you know we've gone through the process of having an idea we then uh, gone and, and uh, created something very very small and got it into a customer to try and get them to, to experience the value of it once we knew that worked and um, we then went and got money to build out a team of people like some of you on the call at the moment, um, build out that team, refine the product and get what they call a product market fit. So we're, we're, we're providing real value to the market. Um, and now we're in that stage now where people are, are still enough to be paying us uh, decent money for it. So now we're saying, right, well, now we have something of value. Now that we know people are willing to write a check for it, we're now ramping up that sales team and we're in that sort of growth mode, if you like. Um, and it's a, it's a platform, as you can imagine, from what I've described, works across the world, really. Um, only barrier at the minute is language and we should have that problem solved um, within the next uh, month or so. So that's really what I'm doing now. Uh, my my backstory is a very, very weird one. Um, you know, so if you ever wanted a, a story about how you don't need to be uh, a, a traditional, go down a traditional route to end up where I am, or if you like, uh, this is the story for you. So um, I'm from, not going give to give you it all, but from South Down, originally a little rural village uh, called Addy Call outside Kilkeel at the foot of Mountains of Mourne. Went to school and was just that Dosser guy who literally just scraped by everything, did as little as it could possibly do, scraped through GCSEs, scraped through A-levels, and then got into information, uh, computing and information systems at, at Jordanstown Ulster University. Um, got in there, did that, enjoyed independence way too much. Uh, won an all-iron medal with Jordanstown Freshers, which was handy that year, but that was the only achievement. Uh, failed miserably, got kicked out of university, and then had to do HND, wasn't even allowed back into the degree course. So that was a bit of a wake up and then when I got a job and then was doing the HND part time, went on and did a degree uh, full time as well. But that was really the sort of start of my working life and just got fired into it because I just felt like a bit of a disappointment, I suppose, because it had failed so miserably. And then I ended up getting a, a basic admin job in the electoral office um, who were responsible for all your registration. So any of you guys who are looking for the £100 voucher scheme at the moment, you'd had to make sure you're on the electoral register. Um, I would have been processing those, uh, those forms that would have come in, very basic role. And then back then, this job came up for North and West Belfast, an area that wasn't particularly pleasant whenever it came to elections back in those days, which was 2000, 2001. Um, no one else really applied for the job because the salary was so terrible as well that I ended up getting this job. And that was the first position really of responsibility, which literally just came out of nowhere. Did that for a while. Bear in mind, I'm the computing and, and uh, information systems guy. You know, so I'm sitting at university learning how to code and program in Java whilst running elections then the next day uh, in the day job, which is all a bit random. Then moved into City Hall, Belfast, where I uh, worked on a political role, not aligned to any party. Um, and then after a bit, moved into more of a policy strategy type role. And then roles like uh, randomly running Lord Mayor's office in City Hall for a period as well. So all very, very random. Um, what I then did was went and uh, realised that working in this little bubble, which was City Hall, and very much in that political sphere, civic sort of sphere of things, I realised that the two things that I was passionate about, which was technology and business, I had no connections, no understanding, no no in-depth knowledge. And uh, it sounds like a bit of a master plan now. So it, it wasn't that 
way at the start, but really what I decided to do was I realized that by creating events in City Hall Belfast, it will be in the Lord Mayor's Parlour, that if you brought a group of people together about any topic, whether that be um, the local economy, whether that be about um, you know community building, whether that be about you know suicide awareness and prevention, for example, no matter what the topic, two things happened. One, you built up relationships quite quickly with the key individuals, and secondly, you, you, you had a crash course in terms of knowledge. So I thought to myself, well, um, I'll do an event which brings together technology and business. And just prior to that, I just I'd done an MBA at um, Ulster University, which was a bit random for me, um, whereby I just went to this MBA course. It was a three-year course. And it was really my sort of moment to, to, to shine, I guess, you know, with the, all these failures previously. I was just in this sort of crusade to prove that I could do it. And, and very randomly, again, my mum and dad uh, take great uh, joy and, and delight and, and uh, about the fact that I was able to do that three-year course in two years and randomly finished top of the class, which was very strange from the guy who was who was failing and scraping through those years previous. So this technology and business uh, passion was sort of building, but realised it was in this bubble. And then when I did it, I went and created a thing called Digital DNA, which is uh, technology um, and uh, technology events and media business, which is actually taking place uh, right now in St George's Market. So that was 2013. Brought loads of people from different backgrounds together in Titanic Belfast at the time. It was actually Friday the 13th, 20, 2013, did that. And it did exactly what I had hoped it would do. Uh, started to build up amazing relationships, not just with people locally, but across the world. We ended up launching the event that year on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange uh, on Wall Street, really, really randomly again. Uh, and then that just that journey then just sort of kicked off. Uh, and it did exactly that. It got me speaking and, and building relationships with some really, really good people. And also gave me an understanding of how the business world work and the technology world work. And that coincided 2013, I left that City Hall role and then took on Digital DNA as a venture. And then we, over a period of time, grew that um, to a decent size. And then we sold that in 2019 um, to the Business Post Media Group, which was the first time I've taken a company from startup right through to acquisition, um, which was quite interesting to go through that whole process. And then all the while, um, sitting on a, on a park bench after a 5K charity run in Ormo Park, speaking to a guy who was a board member of a local charity, Andrew Trimble, some of you might know him from playing rugby for Ireland and Ulster. He said to me, here, listen, we've got a problem at Ulster and at Ireland, which is all of the communications that are uh, for players are all done in a very chaotic um, uh, noisy manner. WhatsApps, Excel turned into PDFs, pieces of paper put under hotel room doors about what's going to happen the next day. One-to-one -one physio appointments, massage appointments being written up on whiteboards, GPS data being, you know, uh, handed to people in a, in, a, in a paper format, all this sort of stuff. And Andrew said to me, what do you think? What could we use? Um, you know, could we build out maybe something? Could something be built out, something small? I just said, well, what's everybody else doing? And that was the journey that kicked off, which is Kairos. And we sort of kicked on from there, really, um, with uh, that process, which I explained a little bit about earlier. So anyway, what I'm trying to do is give a, a really a bit of an understanding as to how diverse, you know, my background was to end up doing what I'm doing now, which still, to be fair, feels pretty surreal. In terms then of... Um, in terms then of, of uh, sort of general advice, you know, for anybody who's considering a world in digital ICT, I think there's, you need to sort of consider, well, you know, we're like digital and ICT will be involved in absolutely everything that we do. So if you're on this call now and you're going to be a teacher, digital and ICT will be form a, very much a huge part of what you do. A nurse, a lawyer, an accountant, um, you know, someone working in an admin like I was in City Hall, digital ICT will be a huge part of what you do. So there's a spectrum here in terms of how much you want to be involved in it. Do you want to be the CTO of a company uh, like like ours, whereby you want to run that? You want to decide how we build Kairos, how do we build it in such a way that we future-proof it for what the world will look like in five years? You can do that. 
if you want to be one of the individuals who helps brainstorm, problem solve, come up with ideas as to what a particular module would look like, you can do that. Um, or you could be someone who comes in and literally sets up the customer success function of a company, which we brought someone in to do recently. And again, they're relying heavily on, on digital skills. They're utilizing platforms like HubSpot and looking at how you can integrate that in. So and there, it'll, be, it'll be a massive part of whatever you guys do. It just depends how much you want to immerse yourself into it would be my sort of thoughts. I was having to think earlier in terms of the the, the, the uh, engineers that we have in our team. One of them used to be uh, in a political party, used to be involved, worked out in Brussels. Uh, he's he's currently in a senior role within our company. And like I say, he worked for a party in a strategy role and, and then started getting involved in technology because he just he didn't like what he was doing. He wanted to change it up. Another guy who's a senior engineer was a pharmacist and just didn't like it and decided that he wanted to change, realized that he loved problem solving. He then came into Kairos as a senior engineer for us as well. Andrew and myself aren't technically, you know, although I did the, the Java program in those years ago, couldn't write, write a line of code now to save my life. But again, you can you can you get a feel for Andrew playing uh, professional sport and now being involved in the company. So it really doesn't matter. Um, I don't think in terms of what your background is, what matters is your attitude and your desire and what it is you want to do. Um, and that would be the, the sort of the big. I think the big takeaway for for you guys this time around would be you know don't try and pinpoint exactly where you want to be. Go follow your path. Do what you're passionate about. Have a lot of fun with it. And do all of that and then see where you end up, you know, but the digital ICT is going to be a major part of it. I mentioned earlier about they used the word expensive whenever the nerd came up there that, that Aiden thrown up and it was a bit of a tongue in cheek because uh, the, the, the quality of life piece um, that engineers can get um, and anybody involved in that digital ICT sector is huge. You know, I say expensive because I have to hire folk like you guys. Um, but it does cost cost us an awful lot of money. But it's more the quality of life that you can get from that. You know, having that disposable income to be able to go and uh, you know and travel the world. You know, and someone asked the question earlier about remote working. We don't care where you are. You know, we've got people working over in England, US, hiring someone in Australia now, and I guess what COVID has, has taught us. So there's there's a quality of life piece there that will come with that digital and ICT world as well. Carl, I've rambled on there very quickly. I spoke very fast. That's just over ten minutes. I'll, I'll finish up there. Gareth, thanks a million. Brilliant insight. And, uh, you know, as I said, I've heard your story before, Gareth, so it's very inspirational and it certainly proves the point that career paths are really linear, you know, so you've, you've, you've demonstrated that in spades. Um, so I'm going to appreciate sort of the time, the time that we have here, guys. So what I'll do is I'll bring on our next uh, speaker, if I can, David from Risk Connect, if I can add, if I can ask you to switch on your camera and join us. And Gareth will bring you in at the end if you're, if you're happy not to stay on. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Carl. Thank you. Perfect. I, uh, I'll just share screen here, Carl, if that is all right. Mine should be up. Mine should be off there now, David. Sure. Okay. So um, my story isn't isn't quite as as glamorous as Gareth's, but uh, I'll try. Carl, you set me up to fail here. Um, but I'll just go through. I'll just go through some, similar to um, similar to Gareth. I'll just kind of go through the story. I guess how I ended up where I ended up and the different roles that we have within Risk Connect and the different roles are open to, to anybody on this call, not just at Risk Connect, but at other companies as well. It's a similar sort of pattern we're seeing. Um, what we're finding in the Belfast market, the Melendez regards it, is there's, there's nearly more jobs than there are people to fill them, um, which is why, you know, a company like Risk Connect, and I'll get into this a little later, we'll, we'll talk to anybody. If you're smart, we want to hear from you, regardless of your background. Um, but in terms of how I, how I ended up here, so I'm currently head of professional services um, globally for Risk Connect. So I manage all the professional services teams 
in whatever part of the world that, that we're doing business at the minute. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about, about what professional services means in a bit. But again, similar to Gareth, um, my, my start on all this was fairly uh, unauspicious. Um, no, I start here. Um, I flunked my way through my A levels and managed to get a, a managed to get a, um, a, a, a an open seat at the biomedical engineering degree over at UU um, through clearing. And basically, it was you know on the day of clearing what's available. I had I, I tried to do three sciences at A level. Um, it was a science degree. Okay, I'll choose that one. That was literally the amount of thought that went into it. Um, but went through that degree. Um, I guess it was vaguely technical. Uh, There's no certainly no software involved in it. Um, but went through that degree and started working then as a design engineer at Randox, um, who were building what at the time was the world's first biochip analyzer. Um, and I think they still sell it. But um, as part of that, I started tinkering around with programming with microprocessors and doing bits of programming on the side um, as part of that. So I was starting to kind of think, oh, this IT stuff's all right in this program, and I'm kind of okay at it. Um, and picking bits up as I went along on the job while at Randox. Um, and then as Carl, as Carl referenced earlier on, um, I was in a band with mates of mine from we were 14, 15 up in St. Mary's in West Belfast. Um, and we'd always plugged away, played every every toilet in Belfast. And um, and at one point, I think when I was, I was at Randox two years, so it was probably, what age would I have been? Say 23, 24. Um, we, we recorded one demo, it started getting played lots in radio, and we started getting lots of interesting records. So we got ourselves a record deal. Um, and I quit my job at Randox. Our, uh, our singer, who Carl knows well, was a lawyer. He quit his, his job in a law firm. Our drummer was a doctor. He quit medicine. And we all went off on tour for a couple of years, um, trying to be the biggest band in Ireland um, with zero success. <laughs> um, we toured around a bit. We played some cool gigs. Um, the biggest highlight would have been play. We we toured with the Strokes and we we played with them. We we supported them on tour and played with them at Hyde Park, which is pretty cool. It kind of made it all worth it. Um, but it got to a certain point where we realised we're in our mid twenties. This isn't really going anywhere. And we hung up the guitars and went back to work. So because I'd already done those few bits and bobs of, of programming at Randox and that, that seed had been planted, that, you know, programming might be a thing for me, or at least the software industry might be a thing for me. Um, I went and did the master's course at Queen's, a conversion course um, that was discussed earlier. Um, walked from that straight in the job at a local company called Wellington IT. And Wellington IT at the time had a philosophy that they would just hire anybody. If you were smart and you had the right attitude, they would train you and they would make it work. Um, and that again kind of planted a seed for where I've ended up with Risk Connect and how we hire people at Risk Connect. But they had a broad range of people, you know, archaeologists and barristers and did a dentist who didn't want to do dentistry anymore in, in the software. Um, great, great local company. And then um, back in 2008, what we call at the time the credit crunch, I think we still call it the credit crunch, um, house prices were mental. At, the, at this point, I was 28. House prices were mental. There was no chance of me affording a house. I think I had an offer on a house at one point in a, in a part of town that I just wouldn't have wanted to live in at all, but there was a lot of pressure from parents. You need to buy now. If you don't buy now, you're never going to be able to afford a house, et cetera, et cetera. And like a lot of people did at the time, I packed up my bags and went to Australia. And it kind of felt like everybody from here was in Australia at a certain point in time around 2008, 2009. I was out with my brother, and I remember he was a, he was a decent Gaelic footballer. 
I remember him going to um, tryouts for a Melbourne team thinking, you know, well, there won't be that many Irish people there. Surely I'll get on the team. And there was hundreds of people that were all from home, all turning up to train. They ended up giving up because he had an ambition of getting on the team. Um, there was a lot of people who did the same. Always out there at the time to avoid what was going on here in, in terms of what we call the credit crunch. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of job losses and things. Um, so I started a job with a company called Marshall McLennan, who are a big insurance brokerage. I think they're the world's biggest insurance brokerage. They were looking for someone, um, they were looking for a data analyst. So in that job in Wellington, I had, um, I'd done some Oracle work. I'd, I'd done some data analytics and things with, with um, Oracle PL SQL. And I went to work for them. Um, which led me down the what's called the risk management software route, um, and then after a few after a lot of years in Australia, we had kids, etc. The, the tug to come home, um, we came home. But I had a I had a desire when I came home that I wanted to be involved. The, the FDI setup in Northern Ireland, the best Northern Ireland, etc., was starting to get really strong back then, um, and I had a real desire to you know find the right company um and convince them to set up in Belfast, which I did. So I, I moved I moved home. I moved to what well, at the time was a relatively small startup called RiskConnect. Um and I was a remote employee for them for the first year and a half. And then I convinced the board there that we should start hiring in Belfast. And then we built up that Belfast team from there. Um, so if I just go to the next slide here, just to briefly explain what RiskConnect is about. Um, I'm not going to listen to too much detail because it's actually it's, it's Early steel. Um, but we sell risk management software. So what that means is, um, to give you a case study as an example, um, one of our clients is Premark, and this is this is all publicly available information, so I'm not um, betraying anyone's confidence. But um, in Premark, there was an incident that occurred in Belfast, started a fire, and that led to lots of losses. So the likes of Premark would use our, our um, various applications that you can see in this wheel, but they would have you, they bring in contractors to do the work. They make sure the contractors have insurance. They make sure the, the contractors are signing certain policies to say you're adhering to these health and safety policies. Um, and they can use all they can use all that compliance information to make sure they're they're hiring the right third parties. Then they can tie that to losses. So the building burns down. What were the losses with the building? And then they can use that to barter for better insurance. They can use that to put better health and safety processes in place. And they, they basically just use all that data to make better decisions around how they insure their business and how they run their health and safety programs, et cetera. That's kind of what we do. Um, we've got 900 clients globally and 600 staff. Um, offices in Belfast, London, Sheffield, Atlanta, Chicago, Sydney, and Mangalore, and then a ton of remote people dotted all over the place. So someone asked a question earlier on about working remotely. Um, I have people on my team in Spain, I have people on my team in, in um, Italy, Germany. They're all remote workers. And similarly in the US, with people throughout the US. Um, the team in Belfast consists of professional services, customer success, software development, and sales. I'll go into a little bit about that in a moment. Um, and in terms of the clients that we have, you know, they're all they're all clients that you would know about, you, you would have heard of before, just listed out some of them there. But the cool thing about some of the guys in our place and if people like yourselves you were to come work for us, you get to go out and visit some of these cool clients. And a lot of them are really cool offices. Um, you get to spend time with them, you get to spend time with their teams out on site. Um, similar to some of the stories earlier on about travel. Um, obviously with COVID, that has all slowed down. Um, but our guys would tend to spend time on site with clients, um, working through requirements and things like that. And that tends to happen out on client site, which means you get to visit some pretty cool places on the company credit card. So in terms of what professional services is, someone was asking me about this recently. Um, 
And we were talking about how Christmas service isn't something you actually get trained on. It's not something, even in terms of my university courses, I didn't think I ever really knew what it was until I ended up ahead of it. <laughs> and then I had to figure out what professional services was all about. But what the team that I look after does is we really provide consulting advice to clients. So um, we would go out on site and say in the pre-market example, we, we want people that can go out and, and listen to a client, listen to the, the challenges that they have, listen to the reasons that they want to buy some software and the needs that they think they have. Um, and what their business outcomes are. So they have, anybody's buying software because they want to have an outcome. It's, you know, we try and understand what those outcomes are and then bring that back to the office and try and translate that into a piece of technology. So, um, you know, some of that will involve developing new solutions. Some of that will involve configuring existing solutions. Some of that will involve just looking at the tools that we've got and saying, okay, well, Premark need this, 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 we'll push all that together and that's going to give them the outcome that they need. Um, in terms of, I've got a question there, how can I do the translation if I don't have a technology background? You know, with Risk Connect and any other company, there are there are masses of training programs. Um, nobody gets thrown out on their own to just figure this stuff out. You're always partnered up with more senior people. And eventually, it's like anything, eventually you go to more and more of these client meetings and it starts to seep in. And then you get to the point two years later where you can very confidently go out and have a conversation with the director of risk at Apple and talk to them about the risk management program and how they can use our software to, to better their um to better their uh their risk management needs. Um the press what do the professional services team do as regards the software itself? So we do actually build it. We have people with business analysts, etc., that will go out on site to um to discuss those requirements and translate those into technology. But the technology that we're based on is it's based on a platform called Salesforce. So a lot of that is, is configured rather than developed. Um, so that the guys in personal service would actually configure that, configure that software and build it out for the client. Um, but ultimately, as regards the ultimate goal of our professional services team is to be that client's trusted advisor. So to go to some of the comments we were making earlier on about you know the the stereotype of someone working in software, um, you know the, the the geeky, nerdy, isolated. Um, caricature. That's not what this is at all. You know, professional services, we're, we're always looking for people. And in any role, you're looking for people with those people skills, you know, and the, the ability to sit face to face with a client, um, discuss those business outcomes, but equally to be able to go for lunch, to go for a couple of pints after the meeting. Um, what we all, the feedback we've always got from a lot of our clients is, is that, funnily enough, um, some of the best conversations that they have with the guys from Belfast is in the pub afterwards. Um, because that's when you really get to the nitty gritty of what the client needs. Um, and those people skills are important. They're really important when it comes to this type of work. Um, so the types of roles that we have at Risk Connect, we are a software company, we're a technology company. So development is a core part of that. However, surprisingly for some people, our development team is actually a very small part of that. I think our development team out of 600 people, our development team is probably 30, 40 people. And the rest of the group are, are roles that are supporting, su you know, supporting the other parts of the business. So professional services we talked about. Customer success is a group that also residing in Belfast that I look after, that looks after really the relationship and maintaining those client relationships, customer support, et cetera. We have development, which is more the traditional software development that you know you would be aware of. Um, but then training, we have sales in Belfast, we have um, operations teams in Belfast. Um, and with any of those, and it's again the same with any company, um, good people, you hire good people, you can slot them into any of these places. Um, and we, we tend to find someone might start in, um, they might start in a professional services role 
and then we figure out, you know, this guy would be great at sales and we move them, we offer them an opportunity to move into sales or vice versa. So, you know, any good company wants to keep good people. And, um, you know, there's, there's always a lot of uh, moving between these departments within RiskConnect. And then just typical backgrounds at RiskConnect Belfast. Um, again, like I said earlier, the degree itself that you have isn't that important. What really is important is your attitude. And a lot of our interviews or uh, interview practices, I guess, are based on trying to figure out if someone the right fit and do they have the right attitude for the business. Um, in terms of that Belfast team, as I said, there's only four people, including myself, that have an actual technology-related degree. Um, you can see some of the degrees that are listed underneath, and there's that's only a few. There's there's reams of others, um, and we do have an attitude of just trying to hire the right people. So I would definitely, as Gareth said before, I would definitely encourage people to look at, at careers in technology and do not be put off by the fact that you may not come from that background um, because there is so much, there's so much out there available, um, be it in a testing role, be it in a professional services role. I, I think that I think there's a problem from my perspective. I think there's a problem at the at the school age up where, where people almost have it indoctrinated into them that to work in technology, you need to do computer science, and that just isn't the case. It's not the case at all. Um, so, yeah, I'll be around to answer questions, etc. if anybody has any. Um, and thanks for the opportunity. Thanks a million, David. That's brilliant, David. Thanks a million. Um, really good insight. And I'll, I'll put a note there that um, we are going to have Risk Connect. We're going to be at the um, Graduate Recruitment Placement Fair as well, so there'll be a chance to speak with some of David's team at that and find out a wee bit more about those roles. Uh, without further ado, I'm going to bring on uh, our next speaker, Marguerite Clark uh, from version one. And Marguerite, I'm, I'm going to just hand it straight over to you and let me know if you need me to share a holder screen or if you've, I know you've got some slides there, so if you can, if you can uh, share your screen. Yeah, I'll share, I'll share my screen now, Perfect. Carl. Just give me a second. Okay, Marguerite. Can everyone see the, the slide? Yep, we can see those. Thank you. Okay, good stuff. Okay, well, Carl, look, thanks for the opportunity um, to join today. Um, I'm a, a, a Queen's University um, graduate and, and proud to be one. Um, so I'll, I'm going to follow the same um, process in terms of the, the other speakers, um, but just a little bit about me. And that's a that's an old photograph. That's about five years ago, and I do have a few more wrinkles since then. Um, but I work for version one. Um, it's a local IT services company and it's one of the fastest growing um, Irish IT companies. So we've roughly got about 2000 staff um, and we have a large operation in Northern Ireland with 200 people and we're always looking for graduates um, to join our team. I um, personally come from a non-tech background. Um, I studied business and management um, at Queen's and then Harvard over in the US. Um, and what brought me into IT really was um, I always had an interest in IT um, and I like to use it, you know, to for, for daily life. Um, so really, the last 20 years, um, I've been working in a business development function for a range of organizations, public sector and private sector. And really what that entails is it's, it's sales um, where I target potential customers um, develop relationships with customers that can be in a pub or in an office um, understand really the customers needs and then recommend solutions that will really help our customers deliver the outcomes that they need so it, it's quite easy um, and I would recommend if, if you want to get into a sales role and um, give it a go so just in terms of you know my career journey 
Um, so I worked for a number of organisations, probably for about five years. And to be honest, you know, I didn't love what I was doing. And because you spend so much time in your 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 working life, I had thought I really need to focus on coming up with a career journey that um, would be good for me in terms of enjoying what I do, but also to make money as well. Because that's one of the reasons why we, why we need to work and um, to have a, a nice lifestyle. So I decided to um, work in business, um, and I really wanted to work um, with customers in 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 um, the role of selling um, and working with um, customers to, to to deliver a good service. So after spending a number of years in jobs that I didn't like, um, I enjoy I joined um, the Invest NI um, team in Belfast. And Invest NI, for those who don't know, they're a government agency and they're really focused on developing the Northern Ireland economy. And the job that I applied for was sales and marketing, promoting Northern Ireland as a business location. And at that time, the focus was targeting Indian companies um, who offered um, call centre services. And I was targeting those companies to try and get them to set up a, a European location and promoting Northern Ireland as that location. And I have to say that whenever I got a public sector job, you know, it was my first real job. My dad was just absolutely proud as punch um, because in his generation, you know, he had said that if you get a government job, it's a job for, for life. You'll be there, you know, for 50 years, Marguerite. Um, so he he was proud as punch. And I have to say, working with Invest NI, it was a great start to my um, career. You know, I learned a lot. I worked with a fab team and got to travel a lot. Now, initially, it was around the UK, but, you know, we had a lot of fun along the way, got to travel and learned a lot. And plus, we were very successful at encouraging FDI organisations to set up in Northern Ireland. And I was really passionate about that because I was helping create jobs for, for Northern Ireland and, you know, for people coming out of universities and colleges. Um, so that, that that was great. And then whenever I was working for Invest in, I would be quite a, an ambitious person. Um, and whenever I started working, whenever I was in working for Invest NI, um, I had thought, look, I would really love to, you know, gain international experience. Um, so I started to look for internal promotions in Invest NI and to go and work internationally for Invest NI. Um, you needed a, a degree. At that time, I didn't have a degree. You know, I did my A-levels and then went into the world of work. And I had thought, OK, well, you know, I can do this job. You know, I have demonstrated that I can bring investment in. Um, if I need a degree, I'm going to go and get one. So I worked full time and went to Queen's University part time for three years and completed the degree. And that was a real big achievement for me because it was holding down a full time job um, and, you know, plus studying at the same time. And whenever I got that degree, you know, that really opened doors for me. So I thought, right, if a job comes up for Invest NI across the water, I will apply. So I did that. Um, there was a job opportunity in the US. Um, working, I could have worked in San Francisco, Boston or New York. And I applied for a role in their Boston office. Um, so what I did then was, you know, I secured the job, rented out my house. I bought a house, rented it out. And off I went to live in Boston. Um, the plan was to go for one year and I ended up staying for six years. Um, it was just absolutely brilliant getting that international experience, making new friends and learning a lot on the way. As part of that job, I was working um, really targeting US companies um, to set up technical centres um, across Northern Ireland. And again, you know, it was brilliant. Um, but whenever I was out talking to organisations, I was thinking, 
I actually think that I could work for a technical company rather than, you know, a public sector organization. So I thought, okay, so in terms of my, the next part of my um, career journey, um, I need to start to focus on trying to secure a job in a tech company that would be of interest to me. So started to look for local roles at home because my plan was to come home. And um, I, I secured a job back in Northern Ireland with a successful IT company. And my dad just couldn't believe it that I was leaving public sector to go and work for the private sector. Um, because he had thought, you know, you should stay in that job for 40 years until you retire. But I didn't do that. So whenever I was leaving Boston, um, my husband came back with me and I also had a son who was seven months at the time. One of the reasons for coming back was because I wanted to um, you know, bring my son um, back so that he could know his, his, his grandparents and cousins, etc. So off I came back, um, went in and started working for an IT company and really settled in, um, working in a sales role. Um, but I was thinking as I was doing that role, you know, I'm from a non-IT background. How am I going to sell IT services to um, customers? But, you know, the, the great thing about working for an IT company is you have a range of skill sets. And in all the roles that I have done, I always work as a team player. So if I'm out talking to a chief executive or a CTO, I can um, work with work with those people and communicate very well. From a technical perspective, I bring in the sales specialists um, who are technical to talk the talk around tech. But one of the things I can do is, and what I've learned to do, is um, whenever we're talking about tech, you know, bring that technical information into how are they going to solve our customers' problems. Um, so, you know, I've, I've had a lot of international experience, public and private sector experience. And, you know, what I would say is that people studying non-IT degrees, you know, you can definitely have um, a career in the in the tech sector. So, and I know Aidan has covered this off earlier on. So why work in the tech sector? I'll just, um, you know, call out a couple of things. So from a version one perspective and many other organizations, um, there's a lot of career opportunities. It's not just, you know, engineering jobs. You know, we have opportunities in sales, marketing, finance, human resources and customer support. And we need all these types of skills, you know, for us to be a successful business. And in terms of the, the tech industry, um, you know, we pay very well um, and, you know, the packages that we offer, such as healthcare, social events, um, you know, are really good. And, you know, whenever we recruit people and they stay with us for a very long time. So for version one at a glance, I don't know if, if you have heard of version one, you know, go along to the Queen's um, career fair, follow us on. Um, social media, um, if, if, you're, if you're on social media, but from an organizational perspective, um, you know, we help organizations with um, cloud migration, application modernization, data and analytics, um, and developing software solutions for the customers, all about delivering the right outcomes for customers. Very successful, we're, we're buying companies. We just bought a local company in Northern Ireland called Nueda, um, and, um, you know, we've we, we are really focused on customer success and making sure that our employees are happy as well. So Carl had says, you know, give some advice to some of the students. So I was just thinking about me, you know, what, what advice would I have liked to be given whenever I was 18 years old? Um, so what I would say is that, you know, while you're studying, try and gain some work experience related to your course. Because, you know, whenever employers are interviewing, um, you know, that can help, you know, stand you out in terms of, you know, your experience. Um, 
And I would also say that, you, you know, go and live, you know, abroad and gain the international experience. All the other speakers have done that, you know, and I think that, you know, you learn a lot um, and, you know, it opens you up to new things. You make friends and connections. Um, but please do come home because as a local employer, you know, we need we need, um, you know, the, the, the Queen's grads to, you know, come back and, and work for us in the sector. And the third thing is, you know, always be yourself. You know, I have seen in organisations where you get great people get in, you know, really passionate. And then, you know, they may work alongside like a manager who may not um, be um, the best manager. And then they shape people into the model that they would like to be. Um, and what I would say is, you know, just always be yourself, you know, through the recruitment process. And then whenever you go into the world of work. Um, because that's whenever you'll be happy, you know, if you're authentic and you can be yourself. And then just the final thing, you know, if you're looking for a career in IT, visit our website um, to learn more or feel free to reach out um, to me if you if you have any questions. So, Carl, that's, that. that's that's me. I tried to do it really quick. Fantastic. Like running out of, running out of yeah, time. We're you did brilliantly, Margaret, and I really appreciate that. Um, so thanks. Great advice. And I, I remember sort of thinking, when you were out in the States, Marguerite, that's the sort of job that everyone wants, surely. Like, you know, it's just a, a great a great role to have. So, uh, fair play, and you did it fantastically. Thank um, you. I'm going to just just move along um, to our final speaker, um, Colm Duffy um, from Allstate. So, Colm, thanks for joining. Um, we we will run on as long as we can, Colm, but I appreciate it. We've, we've, we've tabled it for another sort of seven or eight minutes. Um, so, if you can, if you can uh, get it down to that, then you'll be doing really well. Well, I tell you what, I have to get it down for that because I've got a I've got work today. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank um, you so much. I am going to rush through this. I'm basically throwing all my prepared notes aside because uh, the preceding speakers have just said all the good stuff I wanted to say. So thanks very much, guys. I'm going to, have to make this up now. Um, Nonlinear career. Remember. I don't know, many of you, certainly I was asked when I was a, a Wayne, as we say, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I didn't know. So I ended up uh, doing what I enjoyed doing. I love taking things apart. I love putting things back together. I love figuring out how things worked, how to form a solution, how to fix a problem. I was that problem solver from the age of six or before onwards. Uh, it's in the blood. It's in my DNA. I just love taking things apart and rearranging them and putting them back together better and solving problems. And that's what brought me into computers. And I've been in computing since before the internet uh, when deploying software uh, meant, and I've done this, it meant getting in a car and traveling across the M4 to uh, Bracknell to get a tape and bring it back to uh, Wiltshire to install on a machine. And the tape is about this big, you know, it's about uh, four inch tapes um, at the time uh, and floppy disks and 62k or 64k of memory was a, a dream but all along the way what drove me and engaged me and that's a key thing it engaged me and back to the previous speaker saying be authentic be engaged do what you want to do uh, do what interests you because you spend too much time at work to do something that you're not interested in so what interested me was solving problems fixing problems for customers and getting out and talking to customers and working with them to help them understand their problems better uh, and then going off and building something to solve it for them. 
So from those early days, working with the, the very minimum computing capacity, uh, went to my uh, studies at university at Ulster University. Sorry, Queens, but you know, there's two great universities in, in Northern Ireland. Um, got a job as quick as I could, got working, moved around. I was a tart of the software industry for quite a few years, uh, just looking to get to that next new thing because I'm very much the edge of the wave. Uh, type person. I'm looking for that new thing, not the shiny new rabbit or squirrel that's going to dis distract me, but more looking for those new tools that I could use to solve problems that I can't solve today or yesterday. So that's what's driven me forward. And I've enjoyed some time with uh, local companies, uh, some time with uh, US companies, which have used to travel the world. Um, I've spent a lot of time in America. Uh, I think at one point they ended up in a business development role because the, the small office we had here didn't have any business. So we said, how are we going to fix this again, solve the problem, go get some business. So I was a combination of tech, pre-sales and business development exec, gave myself a fancy title, but it just meant that I had to jump on lots of planes, go talk to lots of interesting people, explore problems that I never even knew existed in the world and figure out how to solve them for them. And that last part of it, knowing that there are problems out there that you've no idea where technology can play a part in, I would challenge anyone to find any part of life today where technology is not used, where computing is not used. Everything from putting the seed for the potato in the field and spraying the fertilizer in the right quantity through to harvesting that, through to the logistics of getting that onto your um, store shelf and getting it onto your dinner plate. It's involved the whole way along there. So we talk about the technology industry or computing industry. Actually, it's every industry. Computing is involved in all of them. But as a result, you start to ask yourself, well, there's a heck of a lot more than just computing. And you'd be absolutely right. And that's one of the key messages here. Most of the people I work with don't actually program. That's just me, but a lot of people program in my business, but most of the people are involved in things which you wouldn't call them programmers. Absolutely, we have programmers, but we have product managers, the people who help manage the product, design the product, make sure that the right features done first, second, third, fourth, get the ducks lined up before we start knocking them down. We have UX, user experience engineers, designers, we have researchers. And that's where I'm at the moment. I'm leading the team of technology innovation research and driving an innovation program and architecture. We're looking at uh, products which are going to be solving the risks that people face in their lives as a protection company, an insurance company, but more a protection company. We're looking at these new products, everything from auto insurance, home insurance, through to car sharing, telematics, or even just that extended warranty or roadside services uh, that, that you pick up like the AARAC. What are you going to be when you grow up? I still don't know, but I'm looking forward to it because it's going to be fun because technology is everywhere. That's me, Carl. Give you a minute back just to wrap up. Oh, that was great. Uh, I'm fantastic. The fact that you, you know, you're clearly a, a very uh, technical yeah, uh, just just by your your job title and everything else, Colm, I was thinking, yes, we need a real techie on 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 the uh, on the stand here as well. But it's it's very refreshing to the fact that you've said a lot of the guys you work with day in day out actually are programmers. There's all sorts of other weird and wonderful product management, UX designers, things that maybe we don't think of. Um, so it's fantastic to have that sort of insight. 
Guys, um, I'm very conscious that we have um, run right through to 1.30. I'd like to extend my thanks um, again to Dr. Ian McGowan um, for, for presenting the keynote. Uh, and then obviously to uh, Gareth Quinn from Kairos, uh, David McGarry from Risk Connect, uh, Marguerite Clark from Version 1, and Colin Duffy from Allstate. Uh, fantastic contributions this afternoon. Um, we have kind of got to the juncture where we managed to sort of manage uh, some of the questions throughout, but we have opened up the chat forum uh, and we'll pick up with the employers if you guys don't mind uh, following the event, if there's any specific questions for you there. Um, and so thank you very much. Um, as I, I've mentioned through the chat, we do have uh, another number of Industry Insight sessions coming up um, that will focus on other um, important sectors. And we also have the Graduate Recruitment and Placement Fair, which some of our employers here will be uh, exhibiting at. So uh, without further ado, um, if we do have any questions, I'm going to give priority to anyone with a raised hand um, to, 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 uh, to address that to the panel. Otherwise, we're going to take them offline. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just I'm just going to wrap that up and say thank you again, guys, to the panel. Uh, with no brave souls uh, raising their hands. So we're, we're probably in appreciate. There's a lot of guys dashing off to lectures and, and tutorials here too. So thank you very much, guys. I'll be in touch um, and wish you all the very best with your, with your own uh, career paths. And for you guys on the panel, thank you very much for your expertise. Take care. Thanks, Carl. You've been listening to a podcast from the Careers, Employability and Skills team at Queen's. Music by Ben Sound. To access all Industry Insights-related resources, please visit our website go.qb.ac.uk slash careers or follow QB Careers on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn.